I think it's about time we get caught up on some stories. Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. Mm -hmm. I am Q Ward. You, my friends, are listening to Civic Cipher. Indeed you are. And there's a lot for you to stick around for. Uh, We mentioned last week, because it was our three-year anniversary episode, uh, that we had a lot of stories that we really wanted to cover. Well, I tell you what, we are going to cover them this week. Uh, some of those stories include the when we mentioned this, the uh, black child that was nearly drowned mm -hmm. by his group of white friends as they were saying that he was George Floyd um, because he couldn't breathe. Uh, we're talking about the smash and grab optics and narratives you know we're seeing all these smash and grab robberies and you know we know wrong is wrong and i've seen mass media build on that narrative exactly. since we started talking exactly. about it so we're going to talk about that as well we're also going to uh spend a little time talking about uh eddie irizari um we didn't get a chance to talk about his story uh last week and so we're gonna spend a little time talking about that um i also want to make sure that we get some time in to discuss the 23 year old uh Janabi Kandula, who was uh, killed in Seattle. I think she was crossing the street and the officer was, you know, kind of making fun of her, saying that she had limited value. Um, so we're going to talk about that story as well. And then we're going to spend the last part of the show talking about police training and um, a specific story where a police trainer was training a new recruit and shot her in the cl training classroom and how this narrative of police training can get caught away from us. And for those of you that follow us on social media, you know this has been something we've been talking about and battling with the trolls on social media for some time. Did, but did that officer survive that incident? Nope. She is she is gone. So first and foremost, though, it's time for some Ebony Excellence. This week's Ebony Excellence is brought to you by Major Threads. For innovative, fashionable sportswear, check MajorThreads.com. Um, I would go through this fast, but I think you... This is a better fit for you. Why not give us some ebony excellence? We're talking about Deion Sanders. Coach Prime, mm -hmm. if we weren't seated, seated in the studio right now, I would do some moves on Coach <laughs> Prime's behalf. But instead, let's just get into this story. Um, Deion Sanders knows the game of football and advertising like few others. Uh, evidenced by two big wins on September 16th. Sanders entered into a collaboration with Blenders Eyewear to capitalize on shades that he often wears while patrolling sidelines at University of Colorado football games. According to Blenders um, and Prime Storefront, the shades retail for $67. But with a coupon, first-time buyers get a 15% discount. During an appearance on ESPN's first take, Sanders handed out pairs to Stephen A. Smith, Molly Karam, and Shannon Sharp. He also gave shades to Dwayne The Rock Johnson on ESPN's College Game Day. Johnson was serving as a guest on the show alongside the coach, uh, wearing a fresh pair um, as his surprise appearance on September 15th, um, as he was going to be appearing on uh, WWE's SmackDown. Mm. Sanders also gave shades to the entire football team, and footage of this went viral. In the video, Sanders implied that the Colorado State University head coach Jay Norvell gave them ammunition when he criticized Sanders' habit of wearing sunglasses and a hat during his interviews. Sanders told the team they had messed around and made it personal. Now we're going to kick their butt <laughs> and it's going to be business, but also pleasure. He then revealed to the team that his line of shades with Blender's eyewear um, 
had done a 1.2 million dollars in sales in 24 hours yeah which is pretty impressive yeah yeah and all that because uh well i forget the guy's name but he said that sanders wasn't properly raised yeah his mama didn't raise him right right something like that and so um I feel like that's Ebony Excellence. I uh, want to make sure that we shout out uh, Black Enterprise for that reading. And it is time to move on. So finally, we get to talk about some of these really heartbreaking uh, stories that have been in the media. Um, the first one and the one that I think that we spent the most time kind of going back and forth about was the, uh, well, the headline reads, black kid invite invited by white friends to swim then held him under when he said he couldn't breathe they called him george floyd Um, so i'll read a bit from nbc news to kind of paint the picture for those of you who don't know Um, a white teenager was indicted on an attempted murder charge in massachusetts after he was accused of calling a black child a racial slur and repeatedly dunking him underwater as the child said he did not know how to swim the 14 year old suspect is accused of taunting the victim on July 19th at Goose Pond in Chatham. I believe that's how I said that. Court documents said another juvenile, also white, laughed and called the victim George Floyd, referring to the black man who died in Minneapolis police custody in 2020, according to the documents. Um, the implication being, um, he's, the kid was saying, I can't breathe. And then, you know, they were making fun of him saying. Imagine the Floyd. kids thinking that was funny. And the type of indoctrination that exists in their homes where they thought that was funny. Right. And you know, while we're here, um, before we get to the next part of the story, I think that you, you bring up a, an excellent point. Um, there's been this push, uh, to erode American history, black people specifically and the plight of black people from American history. It's the attack on CRT as uh, what it's been dubbed. But um, which is just a clever way to use um, vague language and misunderstood language mm-hmm. so that people can um, lose sight of what they actually mean. Sure. Just throw this critical race theory term out there right? so that people can be distracted by something and we can introduce our own definition of it because people aren't familiar. So here's where this becomes problematic, because as you know, the people that are centered in the in the middle of this debate, these are children. These are school children. And this is proof positive why understanding history is important. Um, it is important to impart on children as they're forming social bonds and as they're, you know, um, becoming the men and, and women uh, and people that they're going to become ultimately. Uh, the capacity to do with what empathy they have, what is right. And they, they need the connective elements to connect themselves. And if they don't know what's offensive, what's hurtful, they don't understand the history, they, they, they heard something and they parroted it without understanding the weight of it, you end up with situations like this. Go ahead. That's what makes it so criminal. Because the people behind this, they know that. They know that these children are at the the, the age and the, the time in their lives where their minds can be shaped the most. So they want to indoctrinate them with this very, very false version of history and disguise it as them protecting them when really they just want them to have a different version of history when they grow up. They want them to have a different mindset. They don't want them to have or to use 
that natural empathy because that's a natural that's what i would condition think. yeah you know what i mean i think they're they are they're targeting the youth intentionally let's start at the education level with removing the idea that we've ever done anything wrong you know slaves did in fact benefit from slavery correct <laughs> yeah so at no no. Oh, okay. I was no, no, no. I was, they had, I was that's just, what they had I was, said. I was saying, yeah, facetiously, yeah. but the answer is no. I got to be clear. That's what they had said. Listen, for people that might believe that, that there might be a modicum of truth there, please understand that everything that slaves were quote unquote taught in the U.S., that had all been practiced in Africa already for eons so nobody had to come over here and learn anything and if the cost of learning skills that benefited them um was slavery that's that cost is way too high 400 years of, of slavery and and uh subjugation is yeah, way too if, high. The, if the cost is mass murder uh trafficking kidnapping raping raping yeah, medical experiments attempted genocide like yeah that's that's way too high to learn, to learn high. skills that we already had in Africa. Yeah. Also, it's a slap in the face to the history of Africa. And I, I know that if you believe that slaves taught skills, you already don't know the history of Africa. And I feel bad for you. But if you ever felt like creating a little bit more, strengthening your relationship with your fellow man, in particular, your African original human beings on this planet, those people learn the history of Africa and then you will see how insulting that attempted that narrative they're attempting to spin is. Um, I want to, I want to uh, shift back to this story and these kids too, because you, you brought up an interesting point that a human beings impulse is to be empathetic, right? Now I won't say that kids don't horseplay. That's a thing. Okay. I won't say that kids aren't mean. That's the thing. Kids are learning how to be the people that they want. And in some of those become. cases, they're not trying to be mean. It's just the behavior that they do as horse playing or as kidding around, or even in some cases, as trying to show someone that they like them. They just end up doing things that are mean because they don't, they haven't really processed, you know, social interaction or the proper way to do those things. Yet. Exactly. Exactly. Now, when you look at the way that these children were approaching the situation. A couple things jump out at me, at least. The first thing is George Floyd's name has no value uh, to these children, right? Now, say what you will about George Floyd, how he lived his life, what, whatever, whatever. There's a lot of people that say a lot of things. I, I realize that people are imperfect. That is the nature of life. We try to be better people every single day. But in George Floyd's last moments, the reason why there was this uproar was because he was choked to death over a potentially counterfeit $20 bill, I want to say, um, for eight minutes. So not only was he killed, he, he died in agony, wailing and screaming and calling for his mother while the police snuffed out his life um and when you think about the 20 dollar bill and you think about what the purpose of police is is supposed to be like in the minds and hearts of the, the citizens um you know protecting 
I don't know, the community from a potentially counterfeit $20 bill by ending a man's life with your knee on his neck for eight minutes, watching everybody witness this public lynching while they stand around helpless because you have a gun that doesn't really fall in line with my idea of public service and protecting and serving the community. That really seems more like, um, very morbid and very, uh, I don't know if Dracon is like demonic almost. Right. Um, but you, again, back to these children, there's no reverence there. It's almost like they're, they're, it's, it's something to be made fun of. And, you know, when we get to the last story, um, where the police officer was laughing at the, the young woman who was killed, he's laughing at her. These kids are laughing at George Floyd's name. Imagine what it took for those kids to even have his name as a reference for making right. fun of. They know the story, but yeah, so it's was, not just there's no gravity. It's to not it. just that they don't value it. They've been given that name in some context. Mm -hmm. we're, we're drowning this kid. He can't breathe. He's George Floyd. Like, sure. So it's not like this is a name they heard that they don't associate with anything just black. They associate it specifically with I can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And they think that's funny. Right. And I think that's something that's taught at the, you know, the parental level. Somebody yeah. had to plant that seed into their minds in that way. And if the parents can't teach empathy and the schools can't create a pathway from real historical events and real harm that has been done to black and brown communities to a child's budding empathetic capacity, then we are headed for a society where we are more strained in terms of our relationships across our tribal and cultural lines, um, where we are less interactive. And I think everybody loses as a result of that. Um, I want to finish reading this story and then we'll move on. Uh, the kid says, water went into my mouth and my nose and I could not breathe, the victim said in a written statement to police. So I shouted out that I can't breathe over and over and tried to get his hands off me. The victim also said that as the teen and the other person continued to pull him underwater, he started to feel lightheaded and almost vomited, according to his written statement and a police narrative. After he began to feel exa exhausted, he shouted, he shouted for help. So um, again, kids are... Drowning this guy, calling him George Floyd, calling him racial slurs. And I think that that is that right there is where we need to revisit that conversation, in particular in places like Florida and Arkansas and uh, Texas, I believe, are the three states where they've really tried their best to rewrite history for the benefit of the, ch the parents of white children's sensibilities, um, conservative white parent what the conservative parents of white children those parents sensitivities that's what i'm trying to say all right let's move on um let's talk a bit about the smash and grab shoplifting stuff that's been taking place um i'll say this first and foremost those videos are intense okay um and I'm not going to pretend like everything is okay with that and that there's a way to excuse that or anything like that. But what I will talk about is two things. One, it's not just black people doing that. We've seen videos of non-black people doing the same thing, going into dick sporting goods at white folks with the white people hair, white skin, white arms. You know what I'm saying? No mask. Nope. Wide open. Like just going in and getting what they got to get and bouncing. Right. Um, 
And of course, we've seen all of the videos of black people going into the like the luxury stores. Right. And those headlines, I think, hit a little different. Um, And it's crazy because it seems like when the media pushes it, it's always the black people doing it. And when we come across the videos on like social media or when people send us links, it's the white people. In other words, um, when it's black people, the media picks it up. And when it's non-black people, it just kind of feeds the statistics. So it's, in the, it's in, easier to sensationalize the black thugs that are sure. you know, terrorizing shopping centers and luxury you know, fashion stores. Yeah. And so wrong is wrong, no matter who's doing it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the two things I want to say here is that it's not just black people doing that. There's groups of mobs of people that are not black breaking in stores and getting what they can and, and leaving. Um, and for proof, reach out to us on social media at Civic Cyber. We'll send you the videos we got. It's there is a thing. And it's not like these are old videos or, you know, anything weird like that. This is the stuff that's happening alongside everything else. There are people who trying to get it how they live, I suppose. And, and we have way more than enough content um, to show you guys just in general of people doing things that are deplorable, black and white people. Though mm-hmm. This is not a black problem. This is a criminal problem. Yeah. And economic problem because yeah. usually crime is an is a it develops out of poverty you know what i mean that's just people are trying to come up and get get as comfortable as they can and some people resort to some desperate things that look a lot like um going into a store and stealing but if you remember during hurricane katrina uh for those old enough to remember this when black people went in the stores they called it looting and when white people went into stores, they called it surviving because nobody could go to the grocery store and buy food. Nobody can go and get clothes that were dry. Nobody can go and get shoes and, go, you know, toilet paper and whatever. So the people that went to get what they could get, if they were black, they were looters. If they were white, they were um, survivors. Sur- yeah, they were they were just doing what they could to to survive. And so you, you got to be careful with necessary the, to survive. Right, right. The other thing I want to say, the other part of this is that what this does is it gives um, retailers the ability to justify raising prices and keeping prices high. Um, and they can point at this criminal behavior that has this sort of black face on it, if you will, um, so that people aren't mad at the retailers raising the prices and that people can look at, you know, everything that is, not how do i say this they can insulate themselves from the root cause of the problem and say it's these people that are causing these problems in this country right and the retailers don't want to be the greedy hogs capitalist pigs so now they have a convenient scapegoat um but so they they raise the prices black kids get blamed for this and the fact of the matter is that most of the theft in these stores is by employees um it also allows police to justify themselves, right? Because, you know, there have been this push to defund the police and reinvest in uh, community resources to prevent the necessity of the crimes that would actually have a real impact on crime rates, not additional police. Yeah. But this sort of behavior and this narrative and these videos allow police to justify themselves. Finally, um, I want to share this. The CEO of Walmart says that he said himself, the hype about smash and grab theft is overblown. Um, and uh, he's the person that also uh, 
alluded to the fact that most of the theft that stores experience that would lead to the increased prices is by employees or, or other shrinkage. Smash and grab stuff is very, very rare. But if you got security cameras and it can make it for a good headline, then then there's your headline there. Um, and California is spending $267 million to combat it. I'm not going to say that that's good or bad because we don't want it, but I just don't want the narrative to be that black people are the only people doing this and they're the, the reason for all that ails the community. The, black people are doing this and so is everybody else. So The really interesting thing about that part, though, is when has there been such a swift and... Uh, when have you seen a headline that said any county or you know municipality or local or state or federal government was using close to three hundred million dollars to combat hunger or to combat homelessness <laughs> or to combat anything, anything that, that would leads, help its yeah, citizens? Yeah, yeah. But we got three hundred million to spend in response to that Listen, luxury store that got robbed that had insurance if, that will get all that money back. If they spent that two hundred sixty-seven million dollars on homelessness, that might make a bigger impact on crime rates than anything. But they Clearly. they feel like this is a specific thing, and that's uh, you you got to play the media game and the political game and uh, i don't love that but i need you our listener to be as informed as you can be and to give you these additional perspectives because without media like this you might just get one side of it and our job is to be very critical of not just stories we hear but of the media too mm -hmm. so finally i want to share a bit about the police shooting of eddie irizari um who was shot in the head while sitting in his car and uh, this is sort of the police were lying in their account because it was filmed by a neighbor and the, the film came out. So I'm just going to read this real quick. Uh, this comes from Wikipedia. On August 14th, Philadelphia police told the media that the incident began when officers pulled over a car that was driving erratically. Then as officers approached the car, Irizarry stepped out of the car with a knife and the officers gave multiple commands for him to drop. But Irizarry lunged at the officers, prompting the shooting. On August 15th, Philadelphia police changed their story, stating that Irizarry was actually in the car when he was shot. Philadelphia Philadelphia Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw stated that officers' body-worn camera footage made it very clear that what was initially reported what was, was not what actually happened. On September 8th, 2023, Mark Dial, who fired the fatal shots, was charged with first-degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, aggravated assault, and simple assault, um, as well as reckless endangerment of another person and official oppression. Now, what did the police department get for lying? What, you know, any, anything about that? Who knows? Um, but I got to say again, the police are very good at covering up their own crimes. We only know about this because there was additional footage. And that is often the way it goes. So let's rethink policing and stick around for more because we got a lot more in store.